Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Auto Line After Hours is brought to you by... Bridgestone Tires, solutions for your journey. And by Borg Warner. Gary. John, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm fighting a sore throat and a cough, but I'm going to get through the show. Okay, that's great. The show must go on. Indeed, it must. So uh, we're we're not going to talk about this on the show, but but, um, I want to get your reaction to the workers at General Motors ratifying the UAW contract 55%, which means 45% voted against it. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I read recently that uh, former GM negotiator once said that, you know, close contracts are actually a sign of a good contract. It shows that neither side won big. But uh, in, in this case, I'm not sure that that applies. I mean, some GM locals approved by mega <laughs> approval rates, like 90%. Some rejected the contract. Um, and I, I think there was a high level of rejection because UAW President Sean Fain really raised worker expectations. Remember, he started out demanding a 46% raise. He wanted a return to full pensions. He wanted only a 32-hour work week. And a lot of people bought into that. And I think they felt that Sean didn't fight hard enough and they voted against it. But, uh, at, you know, it, it, at this point, there's still some locals yet to vote, but it looks like it's going to pass. Uh, we'll still see what happens at Stellantis. Uh, Ford has pretty much already approved it, although there's still a few locals to vote, but not enough to overturn uh, the whole thing. So hopefully this is all over and done with and the Detroit Three can get back to just building cars again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So speaking of cars, dot, dot, dot. That's right. We got a big car show today. Set it up. So um, as as, as many of you may know or may not know, uh, the North American Car Truck and Year Car Truck Utility of the Year. Gary Witzenberg, former president of Nectoy, correct me on this. Car Truck and Utility Vehicle of the Year. Okay. So at the LA show... At the LA show this morning, the finalists were announced, and so we have assembled a panel here. Um, full disclosure, all of us are members of NACTOY. All of us voted, and our votes contributed to this list. We may not have voted for these particular vehicles because there are three in each category, and there were far more than three on the list. So um, in addition to our friend Gary Witzenberg, who has been on the show before, Joanne Muller of Axios, um, 
again, a veteran of uh, After Hours and a brand new um, person that we're, we're bringing to the show today, Jody Lai, who is the all editor-in-chief right. of Auto Trader. And uh, Jody comes to us from Canada, of all places. So welcome, Jody. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Jody, thanks for the international flair on the show. I'll try to limit my Canadianisms. Sometimes they're really obvious. I'll go, yeah, so. <laughs> Drop right. hockey references, yeah. things like that. Right. Um, so, okay. So, so let's, let's start in order. So um, the car of the year candidates that we last month um, had the opportunity to test drive um, included things like the Corvette E-Ray, the Ford Mustang, uh, the Accord, the Ionic 6, the well, the Subaru Impreza wasn't there, the Toyota Crown, Toyota GR Corolla, and Toyota Prius and Prius Prime. And for those of you who are watching this and not listening uh, to the podcast, the finalists in the car category were the Hyundai Ionic 6, an electric vehicle, the ever-popular Honda Accord, sorry, and, and finally, the Toyota Prius and Prius Prime. So, um, Joanne, let's start with you, and let's start with your impressions of the Ionic 6. Well, this was not one of my favorites, to be honest. Uh, I certainly love all the EVs that Hyundai and Kia have been doing. Um, to me, the Ionic 6, I, it was the styling more than anything that turned me off. I just think it looks like it's melting <laughs> <laughs> especially in the rear end there yeah exactly it down so much yeah and and so i um i actually voted uh to include the corvette e-ray uh, yeah. and i'm all I'm, right joanne you go <laughs> <laughs> and i am not a corvette fan aficionado or anything but you drive that car and it's like it, it doesn't feel like you're driving a Corvette in the sense that it's really solid and grounded and um, super fast and fun, of course. Um, and so I loved that. Um, I really did. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm pleased that Ionic 6 is there, but um, not necessarily my first, second or third choice. Yeah, I'm with you on the E-Ray. I, I was blown away by that car. It is so well done. First all-wheel drive Corvette. It's a hybrid. Um, it is so well integrated. I, I, I'm with you all the way on that. I, even though in, you know, in Nactoy, we like to get all new cars, not just something that's been out there that's been upgraded, which is kind of what the E-Ray represents. But yeah, I'm with you all the way on that car. Well, I, I wonder if it didn't make the final because, uh, you know, it's it's not a car for everyone. We're, you know, among the different values that we're supposed to or the uh, attributes that we're supposed to consider is value for the money. And, you know, it this is a specialty car. And I I wonder because I every journalist I talked to who drove that car loved it. So mm -hmm. why it was that in the final three, I don't know. I was saying, so, Gary, Gary, what year was it that the Corvette won the C8? You're asking which, Gary? Well, I'm not asking me, so <laughs> you. Oh. Um, I was don't it? remember exactly, but it was, the, it was the first year it was out. It was 2018, is that right? 18 or 19, yeah, when the C8 came out. 
And and I would only comment on that that maybe, you know, I, I am of the opinion that the North American car of the year should not be a six-figure, low-production specialty car. It, it ought to be something more attainable, affordable, higher volume. Um, I loved it as everyone else did. I love the C8 in general, but that is a very special C8. But is it the North American car of the year? Probably for price and, and volume reasons, I would say not. So... All right, so so let's bring the uh, Jody. Let's bring this back to the INX six. What what is your impression of that vehicle? I actually really liked it. Um, I I agree with Joanne. I'm not a huge fan of the styling, but I do 100 percent understand why it has to look like that. And I got to give Hyundai credit for taking a big swing with that design because they know it's not going to be for everybody. Um, but that's really not the purpose. The purpose is just extremely efficient aerodynamics, and I think it nailed it at that. Um, it was it was great to drive. I think I thought it was very user friendly. Um, would I drive around in it and feel weird a little bit? <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think it made a really big swing, and I think um, a lot of our jurors like rewarded it for that reason. Well, one of the things that I think that's interesting about it is is that you know according to um, Hyundai, one of their competitors is is the Model Three, and so. While it doesn't look enormous, um, it's it's actually in in many respects bigger than the Model Three. So, for example, um, in terms of length, the Model Three is eighty one hundred eighty four point eight inches long. The Ionix Six is one hundred ninety one point one inches long. Um, an important thing is interior volume. The Ionix Six is one hundred three cubic feet. The Model Three is ninety seven cubic feet. But for those who are big fans of Frunks, the Model 3 just annihilates the INX-6 because the INX-6 Frunk is only 0.5 cubic feet and the Tesla is 3.1 cubic feet. Um, and, I, and I guess we should talk a little bit about it being an EV. Um, how significant is that or are EVs now just another powertrain choice? Anybody, anybody. I mean, I think it says a lot that, what, five out of the nine of our finalists were EVs. And I think last year, it might have even been more EVs last year to make the finalist cut. Um, I think we're it's a really cool time to be part of the industry because that shift is happening um, in such an obvious and big way. Um, and I feel like next year, it's going to be even more than even more EV finalists than we have today. Um, and that's really exciting. Well, that's where the innovation is coming in the industry, I feel like, you know, and that's one of the things we reward is, is innovation. And, um, uh, you know, EVs are just, they have the best technology. Um, so I, I, I agree. I think we're going to see more and more of these um, as our finalists and winners. I think last year, I, I was hoping last year was going to be the year all three winners were EVs, but I think uh, now I'm trying to remember last year's winners, but uh, one of them was not, right? Do you have that? Acura Integra was one. Ah, yeah. Right. Um, I, I am one who kind of, I really kind of like the Ionic 6. I don't love the styling, but I like it. It doesn't offend me, and it is a very effective uh, an efficient electric vehicle. It's the standard version is 240 miles EPA range, and you can get up to 360 plus. And uh, it's quick and it's fun to drive. And if you don't like the look of it, you can get an Ionic Five, which is pretty much the thing, same thing in a different shape. Mm-hmm. And, and and to answer Joanne's question, so last yeah. year it was two out of three were electric vehicles. It was the Ford Lightning, 
one as as did the Kia EV6. The, the outlier is the one that Gary mentioned, the Acura yeah. Integra, which yeah. uh, has a gasoline engine. But, you know, Jody, um, I think you're going to be right going forward because automakers are putting all their eggs in the EV basket, right? We're probably not going to see a lot of all new pure ICE vehicles going forward. So I, I, th- I think you're right. We're going to see more EVs on the list. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that there's a lot more coming that are going to be more affordable you know, with like the, the Chevrolet Blazer and the Equinox EV, a lot more family friendly choices. Um, um, you know, there's a new one coming from Hyundai that might be ready for next year's voting. Just with more body styles and for more budgets, I think it's going to be a, a huge year next year for EVs. All right. So, so not to be rude to my new guest, but I, I, I got to say, I'm not holding my breath on that. I, oh, no? I, I think I, I think that we're going to see an ever increase in prices. And so affordability will be sort of a relatively uh, loosey-goosey term. Um, I, I think in- what I meant by that is that there are going to be more EVs that are priced competitively with their ICE counterparts, and the Delta won't be as big as it is now. Fair enough. Um, so let's, let's go to the, the Prius and the Prius Prime. Now, I think this is an example of an electrified vehicle uh, a couple that that I mean are sensational. I think that um, Toyota, um, who, which has been struggling in the last few years with the Prius, um, just completely knocked it out of the park with with these two vehicles. Um, John, what's your impression? Yeah, gorgeous car. Holy crap! Uh, they should have done an electric version too, pure electric. And then they, they would have got all the critics off their back. I've driven the car, love it, love the Prime, the the plug in aspect of it. Uh, two things I don't like about the car, though. Toyota's got the, the instrument cluster behind the, the steering wheel set in a way that, for me at least, I have to try to put the seat up as high as possible and the steering wheel down as low as possible to be able to see it. It's a car that really needs a yoke, you know, that takes off the top part of the, the steering wheel. This picture doesn't really show it, but it's uh, it, it's weird to me that Toyota would have gotten something so basic in the packaging so wrong. The other thing, this car is a tight fit. I'm not a big guy, so I don't have a problem with it. But uh, during the media launch, I was with one of our colleagues who is a a large man, and he could barely fit in the passenger seat or the driver's seat. No way could have he gotten into uh, the back seat. So Toyota's clearly traded off – interior room to get more efficiency, you know, later, lower, uh, smaller frontal area for aerodynamic reasons and the like. So I would recommend this car for anybody who's under six feet tall and under 200 pounds. Anybody else, forget about it. (laughs) So I have to tell you, I drove the uh, Prius, the hybrid, not the prime, not the plug-in hybrid, uh, First, I was in North Carolina in Charlotte, and I'm driving through downtown Charlotte, and uh, this car is weaving around and trying to get up close and pulls up next to me at a traffic light, honks a horn, makes me roll down the window to talk to him. He's driving a Tesla, and he was so impressed with this car. He was like, oh, my God, that's beautiful. I can't believe it's a Prius. And, you know, it was funny. It was just such a funny moment. Then I drove it off into the mountains of Western North Carolina. And there were times when I was getting 64, 65 miles per gallon on that thing. And I was like very impressed. Everything that John just said, though, is very true. 
I, even at five foot one, I found like certain parts about the visibility inside the car really difficult. Um, now I did fit five women inside the car, one of whom was close to six feet tall, but, uh, but, uh, three women across the back seat and, um, no problem. I wouldn't want to put any luggage in there though. The, the, it's not very big in the, in the rear. Let, let me weigh in on this one. Um, I have not personally liked any vehicle named Prius since the brand was invented. Um, I didn't like the way they looked. I didn't like the way they drove. They were slow. They didn't handle. I didn't like interiors or instrumentation. I didn't like anything about them other than fuel economy. That was the only redeeming social value, I thought. This one has turned me around completely. I love this vehicle. I love the way it looks. I love the way it drives. I got, in a week with it at home, I got over 55 miles per gallon. And what really, I'm talking the prime now, what, what really impressed me was that I got 40 miles on electric only before the engine even started. And that, that was impressive. Before I burned any gas at all, it would go 40 miles. And uh, so, so, it, so, Gary, if I didn't have to be on camera, I would fall out of my chair based on what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> what, that I like this one? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, think about that for a minute, though. Like, yeah. you could go 40 miles without ever using gasoline. I mean, right. for most of us, that would be never, right? I mean, a lot of us, yeah. that's one of the things I, I like about plug-in hybrids is you can you can just run on electricity all the time and you don't really need to worry about gasoline except for those road trips. So Joanne, how come people don't buy them that much or do you think that's going to change? Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, obviously this is something Toyota's been uh, talking about for a long time. And and now, uh, uh, you know, Ford is saying, oh, maybe we should have more hybrids and plug-in hybrids. I It still is a bridge technology, but I think we need to respect the consumer. They are not ready. Most of them are not ready, the mainstream consumers, to go full electric. It's just obvious. You know, we're we're... They they need more comfort. They need to know that charging infrastructure is there. They need the prices to come down. So I personally think it is a good bridge technology, and, and um, I, I think there will be more purchases uh, because the all-in on EVs has it, – it certainly has not stalled. They're still growing. EVs are still growing. But the, but the rate is – the rate is slower, uh, slowing a little bit, and, and it's becoming a lot harder to, to cross that divide to, to get the mainstream consumer. The early adopters all bought them. Uh, yeah. Now it's getting, you know, the soccer mom to buy one, and she's not there yet. Jody, did you drive the uh, Prius? I did. I actually drove it to our drive event from Toronto to Ann Arbor, um, so I put over 1,000 kilometers on it. Um, I managed to get five liters per hundred kilometers, which is about 47 MPG without even trying. And so that's why I really like the Prius is because it made it so simple for an average person to unlock incredible efficiency. And now because it doesn't look dorky, I think a lot more people will get really into it because before the Prius, it was good, but it was really dorky. And I think that held a lot of people back. I, I think Dorky's um, being very kind. <laughs> <laughs> to and me, the, that the, little nubby shifter, remember? Yeah. It was just. Oh, horrible. yeah, no, it was horrible. The, the, the front end styling always reminded me, it, it looked like a car that just bit into a lemon. Yeah, <laughs> like a pucker face. Um, right. 
but it's great now. I, I highly recommend it. The efficiency is amazing. The only issue that I saw with it is that um, the model that I was driving, the fit and finish was a little bit off. So there were a couple mm. panels and stuff that wow. were a little bit wiggly. Wow. But That's other than unusual. Yeah, yeah it, it is really unusual, especially because the, you know, mine, it was a press unit, so it didn't have a crazy amount of mileage on it. Um, but there were a lot of loose panels, a lot of, a lot of wiggly, mm. wiggly panels going on. But other than that, it was really impressive. All right, so so the fa- last vehicle in the category is the Honda Accord sedan, um, which which comes in various and sundry flavors. Um, I, I just drove the Accord Hybrid. Speaking of hybrids, and um, without even trying, without paying any attention to the thing, I was getting more than forty miles per gallon in you know a mid-sized sedan, in a large sedan with with what I think is gorgeous styling. Um, you know, this this sort of strikes me as as the cars we used to have brought up to date, and it's it's sort of sad that there aren't more of them. Um, any other impressions? Terrific car. I mean, I, I was so impressed by this. You know, the the Accord's been a benchmark in its category forever, right? I mean, forever, which is really saying something. And here they come out with a new one that somehow or other is even better still. And so I, I was super impressed, you know, for them to have a high volume car, relatively affordable. Um, and, you know, to your point with the, the hybrid, Gary, uh, I'm, I'm not a, a big fan of hybrids. I generally do not like the way they drive. But I think for the, the general everyday motorist, they won't even notice that it's a hybrid except yeah. for the fuel economy number. You know, and, and, and before before uh, just one for a yeah. second, Gary, um, John, you mentioned price, and, and this this is really surprising to me that the Accord, okay, base MSRP, okay, is $27,895. Yeah, that's okay. crazy. That's a yeah. crazy number these days. Crazy good. Mm-hmm. The which, hybrids which are 35. It's the, less, the least expensive vehicle on the list. But the hybrids, I'm looking at a couple of uh, Monroneys here, 35 to 39 for two different versions of the hybrid. Let me just add that, that I was fortunate to be on the launch program for this a while ago, and I got extensive time in the hybrid. I've driven the regular one, too. I mean, the, the uh, regular non-hybrid. But I was so impressed with it that, it, John, what you were saying, it it's disguises its hybridness. It, you just don't notice. It drives like any normal vehicle. And you don't even realize there's a hybrid powertrain working underneath you as you're driving whatever, wherever you are. Joanne, Jody? I loved it. I think the only thing holding it back is that um, it's not available with all-wheel drive, which, like, I'm from Canada. Everybody here wants an all-wheel drive vehicle. And because the new the new Camry and the current Camry has all-wheel drive, I always thought it had a little bit of a leg up because of that. Um, but love the new Accord. It drives great. Even the hybrid one feels more sportier than almost any other hybrid that I've driven in its class. Really well done. Love the new styling, too. Yeah, and the the Accord, as you noted, John, always rock solid. Um, you know, you can never go wrong with it, and it is a beautiful car. I, um, you know, whether it wins or not, I predict it will do very well in the market because of the fact that there aren't that many sedans anymore that you can buy. Uh, you know, the the American companies have gotten out of the business of sedans, um, and so it, you know they they. 
they are just uh, very well positioned to do great with that car. Um, I really liked it too. So Jody, get some snow tires. They're terrific. <laughs> That's what I've always said. I said all-wheel drive is overrated. As long as you have good snow tires, you're good to go. And, That's right. But most Look, regular I... Canadian consumers really like that extra sure-footedness. But, yeah, no, you know. <laughs> I, I've always said if I had a choice between snow tires and all-wheel drive in the winter, I'll go with snow tires every time. 100%. Why not and, both? And... I mean, both well, would both be unstoppable. <laughs> but I said if you had to choose one or the other. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so just for those scoring at home, the this is the 11th generation of the Accord, and they've been billing it in Marysville, Ohio, since 1982. So uh very stalwart. So not exactly forever, John, but close. close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, look, we're going to get into the utility category next. Right, Gary? Mm, or, we could. Well, the only reason I'm saying is why, why don't we take our, our commercial break right now and then uh, we don't have to interrupt. So what do you think? Perfect. Okay. Good, good plan. Let's do it. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. How do Bridgestone tires stop shorter on wet roads? It's their HydroTrack technology. But you don't have to know how the science works. Just where the brain is. What really matters is their Bridgestone. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back talking Nactoy finalists and what we loved and hated. Okay, so so John, I think that what we're going to do here is we're not going to go to utilities. We're going to go to truck because when Gary Witzenberg was the president of Nactoy, he made it very specific that we had to put these things in a certain order. Okay. In, in, in addition to which, there were four truck of the year candidates and there were eight utility of the year candidates. And so I think there will be a little more lively on the utilities part. So we'll be able to get through the trucks fairly rapidly. Um, so – one of the finalists is the Chevrolet Colorado and Gary Witzenberg. I want you to start on this because you and I talked during the test drive about this vehicle and I fell out of my chair there. (laughs) Really? I hope you didn't hurt yourself. Um, I am. Let me say this. I think the Colorado looks good. It drives well. The one I had for a week uh, drives very well, but I was really disappointed in, in what I consider a, and I'll, I'll use the word pathetic feature content for and mine was a, a $41,000 trail boss, four wheel drive crew cab. And I couldn't believe when, when you walk up to a vehicle nowadays, especially press vehicles, we get that tend to be, uh, you know, high trim levels. Uh, you can open the door without a key. Um, I was, this one doesn't have that. You can, um, I was surprised that the sun visor would not extend to protect the side of my face from the sun. I, I hate that. Vehicle. I hate that. I, I can't believe yeah. anybody misses yeah. that these days. And how much do they save? Because the, the then the GMC Canyon that I drove, of course, did have an extending sun visor, but the $41,000 Colorado didn't. And there, I made a whole list, and I don't have that in front of me, but there were the content level was really pathetic on this vehicle at that price compared to pretty much everything else I drive, truck or car. And one other thing I'll mention is that I'm very disappointed. John, you and I have talked about this before, but I like lane centering if you're on a freeway for long periods of time, not lane keeping. And I don't, I have not encountered any GM vehicle that has lane centering. You either get the Super Cruise, which is great, or you get lane keeping, which ping pongs back and forth and it's awful if you, Mm -hmm. so I never use it. And almost every other vehicle I drive these days, especially, well, I won't say which ones, but, um, Lane centering works great, and this one, GM just doesn't think that's useful, I guess. I don't understand why they don't offer that, except that it does add a little cost and complexity, but everybody else has it, so why not? Mm -hmm. Joanne, what did you think about this truck? Well, uh, I am not a truck person, Uh, but what I like about this car, this truck, and the GMC is just the size of it. Like it's manageable. Uh, 
uh, you know, it's it's not this beast that is impossible to get into. Now that said, I'm trying to remember. Was it the trail version? There was a there was a off road version that we tested there that I literally could not get into. I had to grab the steering wheel and kind of hoist myself up. Um, and then jump out of when I was done test driving. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're talking about the ZR2. <laughs> well, it, it, was that the, the, but that was the Chevy version, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I'm sorry. You're talking GMC. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I can't remember now. But here's the thing. I like the size and manageability of those trucks. The other reason that I like uh, is one of the first vehicles that has the new GM um, uh, infotainment system that's Google-based. Um, you know, remember there all the controversy over them, you know, going away from, from Apple CarPlay. Um, and uh, you know, there's a, they took a lot of heat for that, but I think that system is this Google based system is quite good. And it, 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 you know, part of it is you have to train yourself away from the, the mirroring of your phone. Now you could still do that with the, with the system, but, uh, it's not, um, at least for now you can, but I, I just think uh, they're showing innovation with that. And I wanted to give them credit for, um, for doing so, even though they took a lot of heat for it. Jody, what was your impression of the truck? I liked it. Uh, like Joanne said, I like the, I like small trucks. I feel like a lot of people buy big trucks, but they don't need big trucks. And so I'm a big fan of small trucks. I love the new redesign. Again, I love that the new infotainment system, uh, takes a little bit of getting used to, but it's because we've been doing one thing for so long um, and this is a kind of a better way to do it. We just have to get used to it. I like it a lot, but I don't think it's going to win. That's my prediction. See, I, I like small trucks too, but I think of a Maverick as being a small truck. I mean, right. the, the wheelbase on this thing is 131.4 inches long. It's three inches longer than the outgoing vehicle. So, I mean, I, I think that it's it's still a sizable vehicle. John, what was your impression? It's what full-size trucks used to be. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was good. I mean, it didn't knock me out. And, you know, we were supposed to have the Ford Ranger on the list, too. But because the UAW struck the plant that makes the truck, Ford pulled it from uh, uh, consideration. And as you guys know, Toyota's just coming out with the new Tacoma. So I would, I would rather judge the new Colorado and Canyon. Once I'm in the Ranger, once I'm in the Tacoma, and compare all three. And uh, I think we have a better choice in, in the Ford Super Duty. I mean, uh, uh, the, the Super Duty lineup is phenomenal. Uh, Ford dominates the segment. Uh, they, they just cram these trucks with all kinds of technology and very usable technology. Not, not knick-knack, you know, gee whiz kind of stuff but things that commercial fleet owners are going to love that's going to make it easier to tow, easier to back up, easier uh, to back up with a trailer, especially easier in terms of diagnostics and all kinds of things. And uh, I thought Ford did uh, a phenomenal job with this. And uh, uh, I, I thought as a package, as a, uh, you know, evaluating these trucks that uh, the super duty, uh, was far and above the the Colorado or Canyon. So, so what I I was I was fairly skeptical of the Super Duty being in, included because this is supposedly a a 
more consumer centric rather than business centric award. We want to basically say to people, Hey, this is, this is something you ought to look at. And um, Mark Phelan, who is a fellow juror and auto critic for the Detroit free press um, pointed out to me, he said, you know, Hey Gary, that, that, you know, lots of people buy these things for their daily drivers. And he says, you know, do not overlook that fact. So, so to that point, I mean, it, it really is astonishing. And, and John, you're talking about the, you know, the powertrains. So it's, it's a complete V8 powertrain, gasoline and diesel. And I mean, you can, the, the, um, the, the torque that you can get on the high output 6.7 liter diesel is 1200 foot pounds. I mean, it's just like you could tow a mountain with this damn thing. Very, very impressive. So, Joanne, did you get into this? Yes, barely. <laughs> <laughs> At least there's a there's a uh, you know a, a running board that I could get in. Um, without a doubt, Ford knows how to make pickup trucks, right? And they listen to their customers, and they have everything in there that you could possibly need or want. So, um, uh, you know what what would cause me pause is just the price, right? Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but um, well, these are $100,000 vehicles, right? <laughs> oh, you, you can get a base model for 44970 40, So On the Super Duty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, still, it's a lot of money, uh, but it's great. It's a great truck, uh, no doubt. They know what they're doing. Gary? I don't have a whole lot to contribute other than what's already been said. I, I too, am not a truck person, uh, and I only drove this at the drive last October uh, briefly. I, I haven't had extensive time in it, but I agree with everything that's been said about the way it drives, the way it, the, the feature content, which is the negative on the Chevy, I thought. Um, it's a terrific truck. Uh, I can't imagine wanting or needing a Super Duty, let alone a full-side pickup myself, but uh, if I did, uh, this this would be probably at the top of the list. Jody, did you drive this? Very briefly, um, and again, I think because during our testing event, we weren't towing or hauling or doing anything like that. Um, the impression was still really strong. Again, I love all the features. I think everything that Ford could have possibly thrown into this truck, it did. Um, but again, it's more of a good thing, and it's not so much something that is revolutionary. Um, and that's why I, and not, not super consumer friendly either. And so I think if I had to make a prediction, I have a feeling that the Silverado EV might take this year's truck award just because it is so radically different from what we've seen so far. You know, I didn't like the, the Silverado EV for this sole, per, sole fact, boy, is that thing expensive. You know, when GM announced it, they said, oh, it's going to be about 40,000 bucks, which is what Ford said about the Lightning, too, if you'll remember. And I thought, these things are going to do great. I mean, a 40 grand and all that uh, torque and towing capability and the way they drive and blah, blah, blah. Well, the one that uh, I drove was 74,000 bucks, 74,000. And that's where I said, this thing's dead on arrival. I mean, who's going to buy it? Uh, Joanne, you already mentioned, you know, it's hard enough to get people to, uh, well, I EV sales have slowed down, and especially Ford has seen that with the Lightning. And I, you know, I, I think you could sell this truck all day long at forty grand, but at seventy four thousand dollars, I, I think it's going to be a real struggle to sell it. 
Okay, yeah, to, but to be fair to Ford, yeah. Ford okay. actually had Lightnings that they did sell to contractors that were below forty thousand dollars. This, yeah, for raised, for for what three days, fifteen minutes, you know. <laughs> right. it, but, but but they did it. And in, in, in the in the case of General Motors, what they did was they announced that it was going to be under forty thousand dollars. Then they reannounced that this work truck, and we we should we should emphasize the fact that the one we drove was the. 4WT. It was a work truck. It didn't have right. all these amenities that we saw in the Super Duty. Um, one of my favorite being the max reclined seat, which is basically a nearly flat seat in that truck. So, um, But be that as it may, um, yeah, the, the price is crazy. Um, it's it's not I, a retail truck. It's a commercial truck. You got to be a fleet owner to buy it. And I, I, I think not a lot of fleets are going to buy this truck at that price. I like the way it drove. I think GM's done an incredible job with the engineering of it, but uh, at that price, it's dead on arrival. Joanne, I interrupted you, so please. Well, yeah, I was going to say some of the similar same things that you just said, uh, Gary. I, I kind of disagree with John. Um, I was very impressed with the truck. Now, uh, here's the problem. There's nothing wrong with this truck, and there will be $40,000 versions of it eventually. The problem is with GM's ability to produce the things, right? So they just are not getting the trucks out the door or any of their EVs at the speed at which they should be in order to have an impact in the market. So my impressions of this particular vehicle are, uh, I don't love the styling. Uh, they obviously went with a with a look that's different on purpose, as opposed to Ford, which you know made a an F one fifty with a different grill, uh, a different lighting scheme to to distinguish it. This is definitely different from another Silverado. To me, it reminds me. It's reminiscent of the Avalanche, which was never uh, a favorite of mine. Um, but but that said, uh, the it's really because again, what's different between the the F one fifty Lightning and this vehicle is that GM it, integrated the battery into the frame of the truck. It's much more, uh, in my view, much more stable. Um, and uh, it really, I mean, it, it didn't feel like a truck when you're driving it, frankly. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And they, um, it had a much better range. Of course, we were driving the larger battery, the extended range version. Um, so longer range than the Lightning and, and better towing. Um, uh, so I, I, I see your point, John. I get it. Like uh, this version that we drove is not necessarily representative of i think what the mass market versions will eventually be and we'll see those sometime i guess next year or into 2025 at this rate well but but to be fair okay so the truck that we drove as john said was 74.8 and then the rs1 version that's coming out is going to be bumping around a thousand or a hundred grand before we start seeing the trucks that are that are less expensive, so I, I mean I don't understand this this strategy. I mean maybe they're thinking, oh, that's what Tesla did, and we can do it too, and then we'll be successful. Um, hey, they got to make money, and that they, you know I think they're just figuring people are going to pay anything for these. Uh, it's doubtful, but uh, <laughs> that's their strategy. Let's make some money on these EVs that we can't. I mean, up, up in Canada, I feel like there's barely there's not really a price cap on how much they can ask for trucks. I feel like a lot of people here will buy them as lifestyle vehicles without ever towing or hauling or anything 
And I think that truck will have a huge audience of people in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, even people who are who haven't driven EVs before, um, you know, perhaps they were interested in a Ford F one fifty Lightning, but they're but they're Chevy people. So now they finally have an option. Like that brand loyalty, I think, goes a really long way, um, especially in our market up here. Gary. Again, I don't have too much to add to that. I've only driven it at the uh, fall event briefly, and um, I'm looking at a, a sticker of 80000 for the one I drove there, I think. And I, I like the way it looks. I do. And I like the way it drove. But I agree with everything that's been said about the price. It's We don't know what the uh, – this is the work version. You would think it would be at the bottom of the list in terms of pricing, and the and the ones for regular folks might be higher. But we'll see. All right. Um, so somebody put put this question to everybody. Okay. So um, so General Motors has developed this technology. They've put this technology in this truck, and they're selling this truck for from seventy five to eighty thousand bucks. Um, is 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 that a realistic thing for the average consumer to even think about? Is is that a realistic thing for a contractor to think about when they could probably buy, you know, the the super duty that is going to have um, all manner of, uh, you know, horsepower and torque to do whatever jobs they have and, and, and pay, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say a fraction of the price, but a, a much less. Well, look, I, I'll jump into first. And I think Jody made a great point. I mean, people pay a lot for trucks. They pay a lot for trucks with gasoline engines in them and even more for those with diesel engines in them. But we're talking about a, a work truck here. We're talking about a commercial work truck. And uh, fleet owners are op, uh, into one thing, total cost of ownership. And unless this, this electric truck can prove that it's cheaper to operate over a five-year period than a gasoline truck that costs under $40,000, they don't have a chance of selling it. Anybody else want to chime in, or do we want to get into the utility category? Let's talk utilities. Yeah. <laughs> we beat that horse. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, so the utility category, um, well, let's start with the image on the top, the Volvo XC30. Um, EX30. 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 I'm sorry. Thank you for for correcting me the ex30 um starting price 34,950 with uh rear drive electric motor 268 horsepower 275 mile range jody i loved it i thought it was uh really great how volvo kind of downscaled everything that we like about its larger more expensive vehicles um into this tiny little package and yet didn't have to make that many sacrifices to get it there I feel like the pricing is competitive, range is pretty good, the materials used are supposedly more sustainable, but they don't feel like garbage, which is really nice. Um, I think this is going to be a huge hit for them. Joanne, speaking of sustainable materials, let's go to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, that uh, was one of the most fascinating things that I, I thought about the car, like the interior um, I don't know if you have a shot of that, but uh, they uh, they used uh, ground up vinyl window frames uh, on the door panels. And so it gives its little speckled um, look. And if you run your hand across it, you can actually feel little 
chunks of plastic in there. It is very sparse, this interior. You can see that giant screen there, um, which is lovely. Um, there is no uh, uh, instrument panel behind the wheel, though. And so you have to look. It's sort of Tesla-esque in that regard. You have to look to the right to the screen. There's no head-up display. There's no um, instrument panel to uh, see what your gauges and stuff say. Um, <clears throat> so I, I wasn't a giant fan of that, uh, but I was very intrigued by what they've done on the interior. They, you know, it's interesting. I talked to Volvo about this, and they're like, sustainability is the new luxury, uh, which I think is is quite interesting. This car is aimed at younger people, and they really do care about sustainability, and they pick their brands that way. Um, and so I would agree with Jody. I think this car can do very well. Um, it's made in China right now. Uh, they're going to make it in uh, Belgium. Europe. Belgium. Thank you. I knew it was somewhere in Europe. Um, it'd be nice if they made it here in their plant in South Carolina, but uh, that doesn't seem to be in the cards for right now. Um, I think it's good. I, the, the steering was a little weird. What was What was going on with the steering in that car? Who else drove it? Did you know was that? No. Yeah, it, like it was like uh, over, there was some oversteer. You know, I just I think there was a setting. I think you can adjust that. I, I, I would need more time in it to investigate, but um, I noticed Tom uh, Tom Murphy had the same experience when he drove it for Auto Week. Hmm. He did not like it, by the way. He's not uh, he's not a juror, but uh, he he thought it was like too stripped down and not luxurious enough. Um, I think it depends on what people are looking for. They by 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 using all these uh, new materials uh, and new processes, they were able to create a lot more storage space, which is a plus in my book. When you're driving a car that small, you want places to stow things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll jump in, uh, Gary Witzenberg, and I got a, to drive it extensively in Barcelona, Spain, for a couple of days. Um, I was impressed by the car. I think Volvo's got a hit on its hands. The base price that you mentioned, Gary, uh, I'll say $35,000 ish. They'll uh, allow you to easily option it up just to below $50,000. But uh, it doesn't look quirky. It looks Volvo ish. It looks modern. Um, it, it drives well. Uh, I, I think with that price, with the Volvo premium name, not a luxury name, but a premium name, I, I think they're going to sell this thing all day long. Gary? Yeah, um, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said. I like the way it looks. I like the way it drove, um, uh, both with, whether you're in a busy freeway or around town or out on a twisty two-lane, it handled quite well. Performance is great. Uh, the base is 268 horsepower, and you can – I guess you can get it up to 422. I'm looking here, and the range is pretty good for that. My one big objection, and I think John will agree with me on this, is that everything is in that screen. And I am a definite, passionate non-fan of having everything in the screen. Even the mirror adjustments are in the screen. And, yeah, that's if you own the vehicle, you only have to do that once. But if you're sharing it with a spouse or whatever, you have to go back and forth. And uh, to me, uh, a, a user-friendly infotainment system should have a few hard buttons, like a half a dozen or so, to go from major function to major function to major function, and then big icons on a screen for everything else. And the mirror ought to be over on the 
on the door like it almost is in, in most other vehicles. Um, not much else to complain about otherwise. Uh, cheap interior, I agree with that, but it didn't bother me that much. It wasn't offensively cheap to me. All right, or Gary, two points, yeah. one to you and one to John. A, um, in terms of the screen, it's for the kids. So used to – used to Doesn't make it any it, safer. It, 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 instrument panel, yeah. and John, to your point, it doesn't need a yoke. It doesn't need a yoke, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's move on to the Genesis electrified GV70, a car with arguably one of the worst names on the planet. Electrified is part of its name. Electrified GV70. I mean, what what genius came up with that name? Um, You know, this 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 is an electric SUV. Um, Short of that, I I mean, I just think this thing is is just a a wonderful vehicle. but a little low, it's got a estimated range of 236 miles, which doesn't seem all that competitive to me nowadays. Um, but in, in terms of luxury, in terms of design, it's just like, wow, what a, what a very nice vehicle. Um, so, Gary, I want to start with you on this, so then you won't have to say that you agree with everything else I said. <laughs> well, there's not much to not like about this vehicle. Um, the GV70 gas version is a really nice vehicle. This electrified version is at least as nice, depending on your preference and whether you like ICE or, or electric. Um, very impressive. If you're looking at MPGE fuel economy numbers, you're talking in the 80s and 90s for this thing. And uh, it's it's just loaded down with uh, every feature you could pretty much think of. It's not an inexpensive vehicle. I'm looking at about a $75,000 one that, that I drove. And uh, I, I can't I, personally, subjectively, I like the look of it quite a bit. And uh, I don't have much to criticize. So I'll leave it open to anybody else who does. All right, Jody, rip it apart. <laughs> I wish I could, but I actually really liked it. Um, the only complaint yeah. I have is I don't think it has enough range. Um, I feel like Genesis like hits really hard on every other aspect of it. I just wish that it was able to push that range even higher to make it the most impressive. Um, but yeah, I like it. I like the way it looks, like the way it drives. It's beautiful inside and out. Um, pricing is a little high, but I think that's, that's where Genesis is trying to go anyway. So I don't blame them for that. Um, yeah, the, the gas powered one was already so great. And this one kind of just takes everything we like about that. It makes it a little bit better. So, so, Joanne, what's, what's your impression of, you know, you mentioned earlier Ford taking the standard F-150 and turning it into a Lightning. And, you know, here we have a situation where um, Genesis is saying, okay, we've got this GV70. Let's just stick an electric powertrain in it. Um, so so do, do you think there's any downside to doing that? Yeah, I mean, they are doing it across their lineup. Um, and uh, it <laughs> it has led to some confusion, this whole electrified thing, because other companies use electrified to include hybrids and plug-in hybrids and EVs. And uh, so I agree with you. It's not the best nomenclature for the vehicle. Um, worst. It's worst. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it, it's just a great – Genesis makes great cars, and they're lovely to drive. They smell good. They drive well. They're just beautiful. And um, – so, uh, you know, they are likely to be limited on range unless they redesign, you know, from the bottom up. 
for full EVs. You know, there's only so much battery you can fit in an existing car. Um, I don't think it's hurting that much, uh, you know. Um, so I loved it. I think it's a great car. Um, and, you know, as long as you're not looking for super long range, it's a great daily driver that you can feel wonderful about every day you get in it. So, so John, I'm, I'm assuming that you were a big fan of the boost mode, which gives you 10 seconds of 483 horsepower. Yeah, I mean, it's gimmicky, right? I mean, but it, it, yeah, of course, everybody who gets in pushes that button on the steering wheel just to see what it's like. But I love the car. I mean, uh, the interior, especially at night, the way they've lit it up, I mean, it, it just says luxury to me. But I think, jo- Joanne, I think you made a really good point there, and, and it gets to what Jody was saying about the range. Uh, if you take a nice vehicle and modify it to, to be an electric, you can actually come out with a v- very good car like this one is. I, th- I think the, the Ford Lightning is a terrific one, but it, they're just not as efficient as a clean sheet design for an EV where you're going to get that much more efficiency and, and much better range. And so we all know that the, the Hyundai Group is working on a new platform. It's a couple of years away from uh, from hitting the streets. And in fact, I, I think in two years, in the 2025 to 2026 timeframe, that's when we're going to see the legacy automakers really put their best foot forward with their their, their best EV stuff. Uh, that That's when I think a lot of opinions about EVs uh, amongst people who don't like them will start to change. Because we're, we're still a really, I mean, I don't want to call it first generation because all the compliance cars came before it. But uh, I, I don't think we've seen the legacies really put their best foot forward yet. They're still a couple of years away. All right. So let's, let's go to our final, final, finalist. Final, <laughs> final finalist. The Kia EV9. So here we have a three-row SUV, an electric vehicle. Um, it has two powertrains, either um, one with a 215 horsepower motor or one with a dual motor, which will get you 379 horsepower. Um, it's, you know, handles seven people and um, your, your base, you're looking at 230 mile range, which eh, it's not so good, but man, is, is this, it, it's big, it's, it's capable. And so far as I know, this is the only vehicle of its type on the planet right now. There's a I've always row, said, yeah, I've always said that if, uh, you, you know, EVs will take off when you deliver a car that's big enough for everyone's people and their stuff uh, that is efficient. You know, don't give them those econo boxes. Give them what they want, which is a large vehicle with plenty of room for people and, and stuff. Um, that said, like, I really liked it. I, um, I'm not... I, I don't love the styling. I think it's it's good. It's good. It's just a little boxy for me, perhaps. I'm s- similar with the Telluride. It's not my favorite design, but it's it's okay. Um, but it is um, it's a big, heavy car, and it's expensive. I mean, they they've got decent price on it, but again, this is going to take a family up into a uh, pretty high price. Um, but really drives great. It delivers what people want which is electric efficiency in a big package gary you were saying something yeah i i am definitely a fan of this vehicle i have some reservations about um how many people really want a three-row all-electric but uh if 
if they do, this is, other than that one Tesla model, which is optional three-row, this is the only one so far. There will be more to follow, I'm sure. But uh, it is big and heavy, and that affects the range, as does the, you know, the the platform. Uh, It's interesting to me that of the the nine finalists here, three of them, fully a third, are Korean, and all three of those are electric, one car, and two very strong contenders in this utility category. They're doing a great job uh, with electric and everything else, but here we are picking out their electrics to be our finalists. Jody, how did you like the EV9? I liked it a lot. I thought it was really impressive. Um, I think it has a lot of that like sparkle factor and cool factor that perhaps a lot of the other finalists don't have. Um, where the Ionic 6 is like not for everyone because it looks like a melty soap bar. I think a lot of people can get behind the looks of the EV9. I, I personally really like it. I love boxy cars. That whole like modern meets retro is like really hot right now. And, and I think... I think it's going to be a, a big one for a lot of people. Um, and, and Sean's mentioning that the, uh, the Rivian R1S is a three-row, which is true, but it's also like double the price of this. <laughs> so, so, so what's sort of interesting is, is that we went from the small Volvo EX30 to the enormous Kia EV9. Um, you know, this, this sort of, Jody, this goes back to what you are saying earlier about having something for everyone, different different categories, different price points, different architectures. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a development showing that things are moving in, in a um, forward direction. John, what was hey, your impression of the EV9? Well, very, I, I think you just made a very interesting observation. Here we're talking about the big, expensive, luxurious Kia and the cheap, little, affordable Volvo. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought? And, uh, you know... Kia has been coming on like a gangbusters. I mean, I I believe they're outselling the Hyundai brand now, which must drive the Hyundai people up the wall because Hyundai used to outsell Kia, at least in this country, two to one, more than two to one at one point. And so here's Kia coming out with, you know, very provocative styling, lots of great technology, very bleeding edge kind of stuff. And uh, even though this is an expensive vehicle, they've by and large packaged everything into uh, something that's more affordable. And this should scare the hell out of other major legacy brands that they've come up so far. I mean, here they are with the only uh, quote unquote affordable versus the Rivian. And thanks for posting that, Sean. Uh, Boy, if I were Toyota, if I were Honda and others, I'd be deeply worried at how Kia and Hyundai to an extent, but Kia especially is really establishing more of a premium image for its brand, especially in the electric segment. Uh, the the others that compete, you know, Chevy and Ford don't have to worry as much because they don't get cross shopped with Hyundai's and Kias. But Toyota for now, Ma- for now. <laughs> but uh, you know, Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Mazda. Subaru, they should be deeply worried at the progress that Kia has made. The other thing I'll say about Kia is they, too, are going into this sustainable materials direction. They're leading on that as well, along with Volvo. And you see it in, in the uh, EV, uh, EV9 uh, with some of the interesting materials they're using. So I find that uh, I agree with you, John. I, I, it's really impressive, but they're like they're 
they're going uh, premium. Like they've always been a great value. You get a lot of car for the money for a Kia. Um, and now they're kind of, they see sustainability as their next uh, uh, cutting edge kind of premium feature. Um, I, I would just add one thing, uh, Gary, you were talking about like all these, you know, we've got the big, the big EV9 and the little um, uh, EX30. I mean, what's, what's challenging when you're a juror is that we are not supposed to rate these cars against each other. Uh, we need to rate them against their category. And so it's hard to, you know, pick a preference over uh, a big EV9 or a Genesis uh, electrified uh, GV70 or the, um, or the Volvo, because they're they're all competing in different in different areas, and so I think it's important for the audience to understand that we're not comparing them to each other; we're comparing them to their segment and whether they set new benchmarks. If I can right, add so one sure. more thing. Sorry. Sure, go ahead. Two more quick things. It also it's interesting to me that our utility category, all three finalists, are full battery electrics. That's that's you know, of interest. And I did say not much to complain about. I will revise that to say the Korean vehicles to me up until a couple years ago had among the very best user friendly, intuitive infotainment interfaces. And the latest ones do not. They've gone a different direction. And it's uh, there's a real learning curve. And I'm still having trouble finding some things to, to do on that infotainment system. They've moved to on all of the Korean vehicles. That's a good All right, point. So, so, we're, so we're, we're, we're near the end of the show here. Um, so I, I want to ask my, my fellow jurors if they want to do this. Does anybody want to give their predictions of who the winners will be, or is that too controversial? Oh, do I think, don't John? even know which ones I'm voting for yet. <laughs> <laughs> how can I predict how the jury's going to vote? <laughs> They're all good, and I, I need more time to really – consider and i appreciate all of your opinions as well prius super duty and eb9 that's my prediction okay i'm gonna go accord super duty and ex30 so honda accord ford super duty volvo ex30 i think the silverado ev is going to win the trucks that's my prediction um SUVs is a toss-up between EX30 and EV9 because they're both very, very good. Um, and I think the Prius might might take the car category. How about you, I'm Gary? With, Gary Vasilash? I'm with I'm with Jody. Just okay. Just right across the board that that Silverado EV will do it. I'm not sure between the EX30 and the in the EV9, and I I think the Prius. Will will beat the accord just just by a little bit though. That's great. Don't want to do it, Joanne. Well, I, if, if those those were what I was thinking coming into this uh, conversation, but you've all raised some interesting points that uh, <laughs> I want to give a little more thought to. But you're probably right. Uh, I think Gary and Jody, um, but the Super Duty has a good chance as well. Good deal. Okay, with that, I think we'll. Close the show. So we will. John. And, 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 and a, a short programming note next week is Thanksgiving. We will not be doing a show. And, uh, and Gary will be. It's Thanksgiving in the United States because. In the, uh, yeah, that's, because that's right. Yeah. Our that's Thanksgiving right. was a month ago. 
you guys harvest your crops earlier because you're farther north. <laughs> it's true. It's a little colder up here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But thanks all you guys for coming on. This has been a great discussion. Thank you for Thank having you. me. Yeah, okay. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Auto Line After Hours is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires, solutions for your journey, and by Borg Warner. If you like this program and would like to learn more about the automotive industry, check out our website at Autoline.tv or look for us on YouTube on the Autoline channel. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.